goodness. Are you kidding me? LeBron James wins it for Cleveland! The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Well, for the very final time this season, the NBA Breakdown is previewing some basketball action for Pinnacle and you loyal listeners and viewers now on YouTube as well. Myself, James Gregg, The Athletics, Joe Varden, Stats Bomb, Seth Partnow. And as always, you guys listening at home, we've got a great little treat, okay? Because it is obviously the NBA Finals and the Denver Nuggets taking on the Miami Heat. It's the top seed in the West against a playing tournament winner, which adds to a Pretty cool narrative and obviously lots for us to talk about and digest. Uh, game one gets underway on June the 1st. We're recording this on May the 30th, just so that you are absolutely clear as to when we are uh, making these predictions. There's no after timing from us here. And uh, less than 24 hours on uh, since that incredible kind of finale to the semifinals, uh, this is where we are. We are here and um, the showpiece awaits. And two teams, really, guys, that just couldn't really be further apart in their journey to this showpiece series, um, playing on the same court for the same trophy. So I think I don't really know where to start, but I suppose we should go more recent and where you were, Joe, um, and you were there present for it. And um, just give us your thoughts, because it's still relatively fresh in your mind. It's entirely fresh in my mind. I just got off the plane from Boston to Denver um, and most of the NBA's front office was at game seven and it just sort of felt like they were there almost to prepare for the finals uh, as because if it had the Celtics won um, game seven, then game one would have been there. And, you know, I know we were talking off air, but, but I do think when you are a journalist, um, and you get into these series, we are constantly prisoners of the moment. We are constantly swayed by what happened immediately before. And so when that series was 3-0, we all assumed it would be 4-0 or over pretty quick. And then when the Celtics come all the way back and they won game six the way they did in stunning fashion at a buzzer beater, that almost never happens. You just assumed uh, with good reason, given numbers, that they would win game seven. Um, but the heat played brilliantly on defense. Uh, they got a little bit of help with Jason Tatum getting hurt. Um, and then they got one more stellar performance out of a completely unsung hero by a guy named, uh, Caleb Martin. And they found a formula to get through this one game and and get to the finals. They're going to have to play completely different, uh, in this Denver series. I think Seth would agree with that. Um, and I think, We'll probably both pick Denver, uh, not to jump right ahead, but and and there's good reason for that. But the Heat, they just refuse to die. Like they just refuse to lose. And so um I think that's one of the factors we have to consider here is that they like they're just so hot and they just don't care uh when anybody else says that I mean there's a little danger uh element to them. Yeah, absolutely. Seth, I want to uh, know what your thoughts are as well. And if that kind of varies from, from what Joe's seen. So momentum is a funny thing. It's a funny concept. And I think what sort of Joe is describing, and I, I kind of, I, I, I made light of this a little bit before game seven in like, boy, there've been a lot of stories about how, you know, this speech or that team outing or whatever saved the Celtic season. 
it seemed a little, little, little gun jumpy. And it wasn't that I thought that that's why it wasn't like that was bulletin board material or anything. That's why my, but it's, it's, we get so caught up in this. Well, they've won the last couple, therefore they have the momentum. And I think in NBA playoff series, momentum in terms of this team has won the last couple of games. Therefore they are likely to win the next game. There might be something to that, but I don't think it's an emotional thing. I think it's a, this team has figured something else out about the other team. And while the Celtics won game six, I sort of feel like the way that Miami came back and actually took the lead and almost won game six was more an indication of Miami having figured Boston out than the reverse. So I think that, you know, if you look at the three, then the three, it might tell you one thing, but in terms of, who has their strategic ascendancy in the series. Um, I think it's, of course, easy to say this in retrospect. Of course um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but, but I think, but I think that, that, you know, confu- confusing kind of the strategic momentum and, and emotional momentum, which is less of a real thing, at least at this level, like these, these players who reach this level are, are, are pretty damn tough, like mentally. Yeah. So, while there are, there are certainly instances where players break, I think much more likely it's that there is something within the game itself that has broken one way or the other. And I think this is a useful reminder of that. Certainly. And you know what, actually watching this, I, I mean, I was engrossed in it as a lot of people this side of the Atlantic were as well, by the way, which is kind of rare. You know, people invest a lot in the, in the finals and that final, final seven games potentially of the season. But up to that point, you know, the UK isn't really hot on it, but this comeback story was like that. However, I'm going to after time massively here and agree with you and do a, a retrospective look at how, you know, they didn't look inconsolable, the Heat, after game six, right? And all right, they looked disappointed because it was like, oh my word, what is happening? But it wasn't a, you know, you couldn't foresee them ever playing some decent, stringing some decent basketball together ever again, right? And that's just me kind of watching it. And I, I, I definitely did think that at the time. I didn't think these guys are completely down. They have no chance in that final, no chance. You know, there wasn't one part of me that thought that, which you sometimes see in other sport. So I, I kind of agree with you on that. You know, it is easy in retrospect, isn't it? When you said that, I was like, yeah, I feel that because I've kind of been saying that today to people. But no, that's that's definitely a feeling I got as well. Look, we're going to come back and kind of talk about the last four teams and then obviously preview, you know, these, this show piece that we've got ahead. Just a quick one to kind of jump around a little bit. Um, what's going on around the leagues, um, around the league? Because former Raptors coach Nick Nurse, I mean, next 76 is head coach. Has that been announced yet? I'm not sure. Time of recording. Yes, has been. Waminyana to Spurs. I mean, that's nearly nailed on. Again, has that been announced yet at time of recording? No. Okay. They have asked teams to, even if you win the first pick in a draft with an obvious number one pick, I believe they have asked teams to not, you know, there used to be a thing where it was, uh, uh, Joe, you can probably remember when the last time this was, but when a, uh, when a certain like high enough profile pick is there, they have like the, the, the Jersey, you know, the number one Jersey with the team with, you know, whether it's o- O'Neal on the back or something like <laughs> yeah. that. That used to be a thing, but I don't, I think the league has asked teams to not do that anymore. Okay. Well, they, I mean, I know it, the Cavs did that with LeBron. Uh, the, the, the uh, vice president of public relations had a Jersey made and stuck it in his briefcase 
for the flight out to New Jersey from Cleveland for the for the draft lottery. And as the numbers as started getting announced and then got down to where it was clear that Cleveland was going to win, he busted that thing out and gave it to Gordon Gunn to go like this, uh, you know, in the Cavs. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I mean, I, yeah, the, the Spurs are going to take Victor. Um, it's a fascinating story to go from Paris and everything that he's lived through there, um, good and bad, to a small community like San Antonio, entirely a culture shock. Um, uh, playing for the oldest coach in the league and also hailed as the best coach ever. Um you know, can he, can Greg Popovich in his last run here with the Spurs after all that he's been through uh, as a coach throughout his career, can he connect with a 19 year old kid from Paris? I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, you know, the, all those great Spurs teams were built with, with international players and he uh, certainly was the the linchpin for for those teams um but you know there's going to be a, a culture shock and there's a generational gap that that didn't exist uh with the Spurs teams of a couple decades ago so I'm fascinated to see that um but also you feel good for for Greg because uh, I mean five-time winner hailed as the greatest coach in NBA history and the last couple of Spurs teams have just been awful. It's just been an awful experience. And um, he gets like a, a last breath of, of fresh air. And, the, you know, the, the next big thing is, is coming his way. Right. Let's have a little look back then. What does it mean for the losing teams? Um, what does it mean for Boston, I suppose, first of all? I know we talked about Boston quite a lot on the, on the last podcast. Um, does their team break up now? Um, was this this there? kind of biggest and best opportunity of, as we put it all the time, getting it done, uh, Seth? I mean, they had, a, they, they, they had a pretty good opportunity last year as well. Mm-hmm. People, people forget that they were, they were six minutes away from taking a 3-1 lead in the finals last year. And um, kind of some of the similar drawbacks as we've seen from the Celtics over and over again over the last few playoff runs is sort of the inability to, to close games out. And... Uh, that almost bit them in game six of this series. Um, I think it, it more directly bit them in when you let a series get to seven games as the supposedly better team, you're always at risk of something weird happening. And, you know, so many weird things happened and Caleb Martin didn't miss a shot. He did, a couple, but he basically, he's, I believe he was eight of nine on, on jumpers outside of 10 feet in, in game seven. Uh, truly spectacular performance. Uh, your best player rolls an ankle. That can always happen. Uh, and so you got to look back to, you know, dropping games one or two, which both, both of which were probably, they would look back and say those were winnable games. And this has been a pattern with the Celtics team over the year, like losing the, you know, losing game one to Philadelphia with Joel Embiid not playing. Um, fine, they win that series in seven games, but having to go seven games, having to go six games against the Hawks, um, the inability to kind of take care of business every game. I think we've seen that that, that is, especially when we're playing every other day, uh, that puts an obstacle in front of you in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Joe, next season, Celtics, thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I'm with Tatum. Um, I, I think that they've made it to four Eastern Conference Finals in his six seasons. That's really hard to do. 
And I think they're very close. Um, I, I don't know that you can, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this before. I mean, there, there was at least a rumor of an offer to, to trade Jalen Brown and I guess Marcus Smart or somebody uh, like that for, for a Kevin Durant. And it didn't happen. And actually memory is failing me now. I can't even remember what the report was as to which as to why that, that fell through. Um, but short of a trade like that, uh, you know, how do you get better moving away from, from Jalen Brown? He had a horrible game seven last night. There's no doubt about that. But, but Seth is right. Like when you get to a game seven, especially against a team like the heat, but, but whoever, when you get to a game seven, anything can happen. Tatum can get hurt. The other best guy can start throwing the ball away. And you are the, you are a prisoner of the circumstances that you created earlier in the series. Um, they need to be a little more disciplined. Uh, they had a rookie coach this year who didn't have as much experience as an assistant as the previous rookie coach who did really well. Um, but it's a deep, solid team that's going to be really expensive. And they are so close that I feel like any step back, I, like I, I just, I, I feel like they owe it to themselves and to this group to keep going until it becomes clear that they can't win with this group. And I just, I don't think that's at all clear. I, yeah. That's just, that point's not arrived. Like, like, yeah, this is the ceiling. You know, that's, that's not, that's not a point that we're at yet with them. Okay. okay. I think that I, th I think we do have to, this is something that happens pretty frequently where a team uh, is, has a several year run together where they're good enough to basically have won a title any given year in that stretch. And just for whatever reason, they didn't get it done. I think the James Harden uh, Rockets certainly fall into that. The uh, Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash Suns are another team where um, that actually might be almost the closest comparison to the Celtics in yeah. that they were probably the best team a couple of years and just like stuff happened. Mm. You know, it's like, you, you know, uh, Steve Nash gets checked into the into the the, the scorers table, and a couple of guys come off the bench and get suspended, and 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 you know, or you know, early in that run, like one of your key players like takes a bad fall and breaks his face uh, in one of their first runs of that with Joe Johnson, and it and it just sort of seems that you know you need a little bit of luck to go all the way, and the Celtics have all you can really do is put yourself in that situation over and over again. And yes, you can still improve, but they're not that many breaks away from things going the other way. Yeah, definitely want to monitor, isn't it, over the over the summer and just kind of see what what happens. We we don't really expect too much kind of change there, do we? Which kind of brings me neatly on uh, to the Lakers. Um, what does losing this series, but losing the series in a sweep, mean going forwards for them? I mean, what was we talk about? I just mentioned the word ceiling. There was. Was the conference finals their ceiling this this season? Um, I, I look back on all the conversations that we've had throughout the season. It probably was really in hindsight, wasn't it? Well, but not because of them so much as I mean, I think Denver is great and yeah. and also a terrible matchup for the, for the Lakers. <laughs> um, and yet it, that was a close series. In, in, in that sounds ridiculous, but they, in all four games, that those were close games that the Lakers were in, you know, 
Jokic, I would argue, dramatically outplayed Anthony Davis. And and yes, I know that that Anthony scored forty one in the first game, but he just he didn't he he I I didn't think that he answered the the individual challenge uh, of guarding Jokic as much as the Lakers needed. Um, and otherwise, the Denver's just really deep, and and they're poised to to go here and and probably win it all. So the Lakers were put together on the fly. I, I've I've said they they did a great job with that, um, considering where they were. So I I think this was a positive development for the Lakers to get as far as they did. Um, you know, I LeBron had a tough year injury wise, and you're starting to wonder how much he can hold up. Uh, when he does, when he is healthy, he's still really good. You know, you need a little bit more out of Davis, but I, I, that's another team where I just feel like they're, they are not that far away with what they've built. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Seth, have they learned their, from a management perspective, have they learned the lessons of the last four years? Um, in a lot of ways, this, this team that they put together at the end was as was closer to the blueprint that won them the 2020 idol um as anything um and you know you put uh younger athletes who can shoot and defend around uh, two players like lebron and ad and i think you know at at lebron's age and and frankly at davis's age too as he's um, he's someone who's, who is, you know, in his early thirties and has had a lot of injuries over his career. So I think that there are, whether just in terms of games played or, or, or otherwise, he might be slowing down a little bit too. You might need a little more help with it for them, but, uh, you know, let's see what happens when they go into training camp next year, knowing, Hey, Austin Reeves is, is a dude for us. This is a guy who we need to, to give those other guys a little bit of a rest off the ball. He can get stuff done for us. Uh, go, going with that, with that as a piece, adding, you know, like the size and athleticism and shooting at the other positions that they, for two and a half years, uh, completely eschewed in the name of going after big name du jour. Basically, like what I'm going to what I'm going to be looking at for them is how big do the Kyrie Irving rumblings get over the summer? Okay. The, more, the, the, large, the louder those get, the less I think they've learned their lesson. <laughs> I mean, we haven't brought it up, but at the end of game four in that series, LeBron mentioned that he was considering retirement. Um, and there's been any number of theories offered as to why he said that when the, the most likely thing is he was feeling beat up physically and emotionally. And just that he said what was on his mind at that particular time. Um, but the, of all the theories that are out there, the one that I disagree with is that he was trying to make some kind of leverage play. I think that is uh, an insult to him, but also to the Lakers and to the partnership that those two that those two entities have had over his time there. The Lakers have done right by him. They built correctly around him uh, and won a title. They, they brought in Anthony Davis, who he wanted, but then they kept going with with Dwight and JaVale. Um, Danny Green was on that that championship team. They were big and they could shoot. That's that's what you want with LeBron. Then they listened to LeBron and went and made the trades that he wanted to to be made so that Russell Westbrook would be a teammate. And you could say, well, there was drama when the Lakers didn't move off from Russell quickly enough, but that was not feasible to move off from him as quickly as as LeBron wanted him to. And again, 
Russell was only there because LeBron stomped his feet and made it happen. The fact that they moved on from him eventually and the way that they did it, who they brought in was again, a service to LeBron and, and, you know, they're not hoarding assets. They're not planning for the future. Like they're trying to build around him to win now. So I, I just think, and, and I believe that that LeBron does respect the, the relationship and partnership with the Lakers, but that is what it's been. Um, and so, no, I, so of all the reasons that he may have said that, I think that one is the least likely. There we go. Look, we're going to focus on 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 the finals here. Um, we've got plenty of time to chew the fat. Obviously, before the start of the new season, when that comes around, which well, come on, let's not even think about that yet. Okay, right. Just to direct listeners towards it, they know what they know the drill by now. Pinnacle.com. We've got the best of seven series odds. You've got the game odds as well. Have a look at those. There's obviously not loads to look at uh, because it's just one series here that we're talking about. Um, How's it all going to unfold? You know, is it is it Jokic who's going to get that championship title? Is it going to be the Heat adding another ring to their collection? Um, you know, Miami might not have the same roster depth as Denver, um, especially with the three-point specialist as well, uh, Tyler Harrow watching from the sidelines um, with a broken hand. Uh, but, but what they do, of course, have is an abundance of experience. So, right, where where do we go at? I mean, how do you see it unfolding, I suppose? Um, we I think we're all clear that, Denver are the favourites. That's exactly what it is with Pinnacle as well, for obvious reasons. Um, talk to us about Denver then. I suppose both of you, let's just talk to us about Denver. They're the favourites. We both, we've all said it so far on this podcast recording. So, um, yeah, why? Just just simply why? Why are they the favourites? Best player wins, and they have the best player in the world right now on their team. Any questions that there were existing about Nikola Jokic's ability to be a dominant force in the postseason, I think we've, I think we have well and truly put those to bed. <laughs> um, and for as good as Jimmy Butler has been, uh, you know, across the playoffs as a whole, um, the, I mean, even when he's played bad, Jokic has been great. I mean, just just the sheer uh, physicality that that he's brought to brought to the table, and I think that's. That you mentioned, Joe. You mentioned that that Anthony Davis didn't didn't do as well defensively. I thought he, he struggled even more offensively, largely because of Jokic's physicality. Like mm-hmm. Anthony Davis tried to go through him, and Jokic is an enormous human being who just didn't move. Uh, so I mean, I think you, when you start, I and mean, I think that's you have to start there. That you know, best player wins is a good place to start looking at a series. And for as great as Jimmy Butler has been and is, Jokic is a level above. You agree with that, Joe? I just feel like I feel like we should spend as much time as we have left, like just talking about the Nuggets. Like we we owe it to them. <laughs> We've been saying, oh, by the way, we think the Nuggets are great all year. That is true, actually. You are right. <laughs> I want the Lakers and whoever else, the Bucks, like on and on. Denver, it starts, it does start with with Jokic, but I, I think it also starts with Jokic against the Heat. Um, I am certainly in, in the camp that I don't want to put a lot of stock into what happens in the regular season, but these two teams only play twice a year. And if you look at the individual matchup, that is a matchup that Jokic routinely wins and he wins handily. Uh, and this is probably the smallest of, of Miami teams going up against the Nuggets since those two have been in the league. I'm talking about Joker and Bam out of bio. If Bam gets in any foul trouble at all, they're the Heat have nothing. There's nothing they could do. Like the the other bigs they have on the roster, Kevin Love and Cody Zeller, just simply cannot move with the speed that that Jokic moves. 
Beyond that, as Seth and, Seth and I know, the Heat employed a an effective zone against the Celtics for throughout the series that we just got through. You can't do that to Jokic. He's too good of a shooter. He he will beat you when you get into that zone. So that is a huge matchup problem. The second huge matchup problem is Aaron Gordon because he is massive uh, and plays the four, but he can also move. He's much bigger than Caleb Martin, who's six, five. Um, and so if, if we recall, Caleb was going, coming off the bench for the heat for the first five games of, of, of the, the conference finals, then they started to start him. If you go back to Kevin, you get your size and you might get some spacing back because Denver's bigger than the Celtics were, but I just don't like that matchup either. Um, and we haven't even talked about Jamal Murray yet, who is an all-star caliber player and he's playing great in these playoffs. Um, Michael Porter Jr. You know, you, you think that Jimmy Butler wins that matchup. I think the Heat have a couple decisions to make about how big they want to go. And then does Max Struess stay on the floor? Do you see a scenario where they actually play Caleb and Jimmy together with Gabe and then the two bigs? Um, is that an answer and bring Struess off, off the bench? Denver just has so many different ways they could beat you. And then the thing they have that they never had when they went to the conference finals, when they went to the conference semifinals is they have Contavious Caldwell Pope, who is a, uh, a wing defender and he can shoot threes. Um, he is to me, I think he is the actual X factor for the nuggets. And in this series, just because of his existence, he's the thing they didn't have the previous years when they were good. And now they have him. Um, so this is a, <laughs> to say this would be a formidable challenge for the heat. Uh, I think is an understatement. <laughs> I think there's, there's, I want to piggyback on what, what, what Joe's saying is, is you're talking about the heat making adjustments by moving players in and out of the lineup and between those five starters for Denver and Bruce Brown, you they can play so many different ways with just those six guys without having to make a sub, well, we can try this. We can, we can try, you know, putting Jokic as the ball handler in a pick and roll with either Jamal Murray or Bruce Brown screen for him. We can do all these interesting things. We can try We don't have to make subs. We can just play our best guys. We know who our best guys are. We can play them and try a bunch of different things. Whereas the Heat are always having to make these trade-offs. Okay, you can put Kevin Love in. Maybe it works because Aaron Gordon, you maybe you're okay letting him shoot a little bit, but now you're giving up, you're giving up your, your own drive and kick game. You're giving up transition speed. Uh, it's one of the best things that, that the nuggets have is uh, Aaron Gordon's ability to run the floor and, and get easy buckets just by running straight at the rim. Um, so there's all, all the, these, these choices and trade-offs that Miami has to make that Denver just doesn't, they can just try stuff and have it not cost them. And I think that that's, just that is a huge advantage from, you know, that's part of having a more talented team is you have kind of more options without actually having to change who's on the floor. Do we think that this is going to be an absolute pasting, you know, like a flat out and out, just done, done within four, not a problem, easy, you know, crowning moment, happy days. Or is there going to be, I mean, can you see it, you know, logically, feasibly, can you see it being tight at all? <laughs> Why are you laughing, mate? Come on. No, because I, 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 before the before the Eastern Conference Finals, when you recorded, I think if you guys recall, I called it a, like there's a difference between my head and my heart on the yeah. series. And it was like, okay, my head says Boston's much better. My heart doesn't trust them. And I, and it does trust Miami. Um, 
there's a little bit of that in this series in that my head says Denver is much better. Um, but the heart part is more, well, maybe Miami can make it a series, not maybe Miami can like, yeah. I, I would be barring, barring and barring like a, an injury. I would be, I would be absolutely stunned if Miami won this series. Yes. I would be as surprised as I would have been had they beat the Lakers in the ball. That's how big a, a, I think a gap as I, as I see it between these, these teams. And that's no disrespect intended to, to Miami. Denver's been among the top three best teams in the league all season, and they've been easily the best team start to finish in the playoffs. Yeah, it's something actually, I know, I know that you, Joe was absolutely right a moment ago, wasn't he? You know, all season we've talked about other teams, you know, teams on the cusp, teams looking to try and, you know, just wriggle into the play in for goodness sake. And they rounded it off going, we've got a minute left. Denver, all right, only Yeah, sound. See you next time. Um, <laughs> which is, yeah, we have done a, ma- a massive disservice really. But I think that's probably because we just knew, you know, that it's solid, dependable, not really, you know, the, the results have kind of spoke for themselves. Um, Joe, do you agree with that in the sense that there is a small inkling that this isn't going to be a complete, you know, done after after four games? Well, I mean, the Heat have earned our respect and attention um, just by how uh, just how they refuse to quit. I mean, this is a team that almost lost the last play-in game, and now they're in the finals. Um, but I wanted to say that, 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 like, the NBA in a way is becoming like our American political system, and just that everything that we thought we knew was true about how to read tea leaves and how to measure things has totally disappeared. And if the heat are not wiped out, then the last shreds of like the regular season, meaning anything and the better, deeper team with no real weaknesses losing like that, that like if those two things fall, then, then I don't even know what we can say about the, about the current NBA. So I just think there has to be some normalcy restored here at the end and the the talent discrepancy and then the specific pressure points of the matchup should be Denver big. Um, Jimmy could go for 51 in game one and then Joker gets hurt in game two. And now you got a series. Yeah. Um, we always say that, but it's, it's gotta be Denver. It's gotta be Denver. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? I mean, you know, outside looking in, it's gotta be, but yeah, it's looking sad. Says, you no, know, I, 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 a friend of mine from Denver texted me today and was like, does, does Miami really have a chance in the series? And my answer was no asterisks. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> like, it's good. Like, I, I think if nothing else, Miami just by, by sheer bloody mindedness has earned at least the benefit of that. Like, I don't see it, but they've done enough things that I that I haven't seen in advance that we at least have to give them the possibility that that you know between Spo and Jimmy they can conjure something up and 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 away we go again. Yeah, there's plenty of storylines around it, and it's um you know it's it's a bit of a lesson for those teams who were oh so nearlies as well, isn't it? In many ways, you know that they can probably learn quite a bit off the off the Miami Heat in the way that they've just you know, just being really gritty and, and kind of getting to this point. And we're still, we still don't know, you know, as much as we're saying it's all Denver, you just, you still don't know. Um, It's going to be, a, it's going to be a cracker. I mean, just before we go, a quick word. I mean, this has got to be Nikola Jokic's, his defining crowning moment, if it does, you know, work out how we all think it's going to, right? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, like he Seth said at the beginning, and I mean, he's he's right in a way. I think that that Jokic lost a bunch of MVP votes because people said, "Well, we don't want to be on the wrong side of history when he f- flops in the playoffs," which was unwarranted. Um, now that's not why I voted for for Embiid, but but uh, at any rate, he he's about he's a he's about to end any question, any yeah. question, and and he, he will be talked about. Beginning this summer is one of the all-time greats, a two-time MVP with surely more to come, um, and and the and at least one title. Yeah, yeah, Seth, crowning moment so far. Yeah, I mean, okay. this, the, 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 I mean, this this Denver team is is pretty well situated to you know win now, and and you know you can always improve, but they've got a pretty solid base. Uh, to to move forward, and you know, when you start with one of the you know two or three best players on the planet, you uh, have a leg up on everybody. So you don't want to get ahead of yourselves. They still got to do this one, but uh, um, I don't. I, I you know I, I don't necessarily like writing the story of a player's career while it's still going, especially someone who's got five plus years left at, yeah. the, at, at his peak, like like Jokic does. We don't like this could be the start of of his of his crowning period. Not yeah. just like the peak itself. Think how many times that's happened to LeBron, though? How many like career lookbacks there have been, and then he goes right. another one. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, it's fascinating, uh, guys. Thank you so much for all your expert insight all season long. We've had so much fun. We'll do it all again very soon, sooner than actually we think. Um, Seth, Joe, thanks so much, and also for you for listening as well. I know there's many of you um, across the globe who do listen to this religiously every single time we do check in with one another and uh, sometimes we're right sometimes we're completely miles off it but hopefully it always provides a little bit of insight and entertainment for you enjoy the NBA finals and remember all odds that we actually didn't talk about there just directed you to where they were but um, they are always correct at the time of recording pinnacle.com and of course plenty more betting resources on there as well Um, enjoy the rest of the season and we'll talk to you very soon Cheers now.